And today we have a special guest on the phone with us. We have Phil Palazzano, and Phil is with the 132nd Assembly District. He serves our area of New York State in Albany. And, Phil, it's been a long time since you and I have had a chance to talk. Yes, it has, but it's good to be with you again, David. I'm happy to come on at any time. You know that. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And uh, I was just seeing a couple of stories, and I thought, you know, it would be kind of nice to have Phil come in here and explain this stuff so that we can understand it. <laughs> Uh, there was some conversation recently in the media uh, about New York redistricting, and I was just wondering how that might affect us here in our area, immediate area. Well, I, I, redistricting is something obviously comes up every 10 years after the census uh, does apportionment numbers and find out with population. So, yes, there's gonna, there will be changes uh, um, as far as uh, general um, districts, um, how, how big a changes are, remain to be seen. Uh, we have an independent redistricting commission that was um, put together for the first time after the constitutional amendment passed in 2014 that would have this commission draw um, um, lines for state assembly, senate, and, and congress. Unfortunately, the commission has been split both with their initial maps and then the maps they put out uh, in January. Um, and now the legislature overwhelmingly, they put out two sets of maps instead of one set of map, one one map set. For each, um, there's like a Republican version and a Democratic version. So that really didn't bode well for a compromise as far as one set of maps. Um, so on Monday, the legislature overwhelmingly rejected the, the, the maps because there was not one set of maps. There's differences and things along that line. So now the process, the way it works, David, and for listeners, is now that that commission it goes back to the commission. They have uh, two weeks or 15 days to submit back to the legislature another set of maps, hopefully it be one compromised, negotiated set of maps, and then the legislature, again, would vote up or down on, on those maps. You would need a two-thirds majority to approve it. Um, if they approve it, then that would be the lines that would be drawn as far as for Congress, for State Senate and State Assembly moving forward. If they reject the maps again, then the state legislature would draw those lines and, and redistrict those uh, what for all all three, the big issue that's been up on redistricting for on a lot of people's minds is because we're losing one congressional seat uh, because of the numbers, uh, and the, the need and um, push for many of us to preserve a southern tier based congressional seat, um, to that rural nature of the district. And, and fortunately, on both sets of maps that did come out, there was a southern tier based district. So hopefully that will continue in uh, the set of maps they provide moving forward, and if it does go to the legislature, ultimately for um, for the legislature to draw lines. I guess the concerns with the legislature drawing lines is gerrymandering because the, the Democrat majorities would be in control of drawing those lines and how that would work. So that still remains to be seen. That's a lot of inside baseball stuff, but um, <laughs> it's definitely a big thing that impacts representation and how those districts and who may or may not be the representative moving forward after these lines are drawn, because when we run in 2022, um, we will be running under these new lines. So there could be possibly new representation um, based on how these lines are drawn for different areas. Uh, sounds like it's complicated, but uh, it's something that has to be done, I guess. Uh, one of the things that I've always thought would be a good idea, and of course uh, not everybody and nobody does, is... I saw an article recently about uh, a state senator had proposed uh, New York be into three different uh, sections, I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess this idea has come up before. It never seemed to have any legs. 
Is there any hope for this concept at all? Because uh, downstate is so different than upstate. It's like day and night, you know? Oh, absolutely, David. I mean, there's definitely a day and night between upstate and downstate. And this issue has been around for as, as long as I can remember. It goes back to, I know, the 1980s with Don Davidson and Randy Cool, and, and then Jim Bacallis and Randy Cool and George Winter all through the, through the decades. There's been legislation to divide New York State into two separate states. It's never moved anywhere. It's never progressed. Um, one of the main reasons behind that, obviously, is because it would take an act of Congress ultimately to happen as well. So what has come about is there's been new legislation that's been drawn um, that would create three autonomous regions. You still have a state of New York and have three autonomous regions, uh, you know, obviously one for upstate, Long Island, and New York City. And the thinking behind and then that would just take a constitutional amendment for, this, for the state. No, it wouldn't necessarily take an act of Congress, and there'd still be governing factions. It would be a challenge for sure, because um, there are a lot of issues that would have to be dealt with as far as pension systems or state's debt, property, and things like that, but certainly things that would be looked at. Um, and obviously this comes about, just as you pointed out, David, is that often in times with New York State we see a one-size-fits-all mentality regarding our legislation, regarding our policies that might be beneficial to New York City, that might be in the best interest of New York City, but certainly is not in the interest of upstate New York. And those are, you'll see a host of issues that we've fought about in time, whether it's the SAFE Act, Common Core, a whole host of issues over the decades. And, and you know, the bail reform stuff, many things across the board. I, that, talked to, uh, I have talked to local law enforcement, and they, they say that's a real problem, that bail reform situation. Oh, it's, it's definitely a big problem. We've seen a, a, a tremendous increase in rise in violence in our communities all across upstate New York, particularly in our cities. Uh, significant increases, uh, over 100% increases in shootings and, and, and deaths uh, in some of their big upstate cities. Over 100% increase in, in shootings in New York City over the past two years. Uh, Rochester, I believe, was up 174% in shootings over the past two years. Um, Albany, over 700% over the past two years. And we see these repeat offenders coming back into individuals who get arrested and then it's basically called it's referred to as a catch and release program where people are arrested and then they're released back into the street and there's bail reform and no one was saying there couldn't have been some revisions to make it the biggest thing that they did when they did the bail reform david is they took away judicial discretion from our judges to basically weigh and consider the dangerousness of an individual and the threat they could be to a, a community where they would would be or their flight risk. All those were taken away from out of the equation. So we have individuals who are basically um, offending, and we know those numbers. I think across the state of New York and in 2020, there was over 20, I think 22% of individuals who are arrested and, and released um, reoffended. In New York City, um, and those are for val- felony crimes. And in New York City, it's over 50% uh, repeat offenders. Phil, I mean, this is, oh, people aren't feeling safe in their neighborhood. Yeah. They're not feeling safe in their communities. And uh, now you have a district attorney in Manhattan who's getting a lot of news this uh, the past week. Uh, his name is Bragg, that basically went on, on out in the public to say he's, he's not going to prosecute crimes. He's going to reduce crimes. That, you know, if serious crimes, like there was a gun, there was a, a knife-yielding individual just uh, it was in the news yesterday that was threatening someone robbed over $2,000 from a store. Um, basically, the, the the DAs, because of that directive, charged him with petty larceny, um, not taking account that he had a, a deadly instrument in his hand. Has basically said he's not going to um, prosecute a crime for above twenty years, or will not seek out a service 
a sense of, of life in jail without parole, despite the heinousness of a murder. So an individual who brutally rapes and murders a child or kills a, a police officer should be in the jail, quite frankly, for the rest of their life, many people like myself would say. But just to say that they're not going to do life without parole, a minimum of 20 years, I mean, it's mind-boggling to me. Robbery, they're, unless, uh, you know, lowering the threshold of that. Resisting arrest, so you're going to have individuals who are going to fight back and hurt our law enforcement and threaten our law enforcement and not charge them with a crime. Um, wow. Issues like drug dealing, I mean, unless someone was found with 50 kilos of heroin, unless they were found distributing that or selling that directly, but they were in possession of that, they would just be, they would just be charged with possession of drugs. They wouldn't be charged with drug trafficking or or drug selling. I mean, okay. it's just Phil, a whole I got, host of issues that's I, scary. I've got one more question i got to ask you, and, sure. and uh, then we've got to cut it. We've got to make it quick here. Um, tell me, uh, you've got a new governor now that you're, that's kind of like the boss, and uh, how are you getting along with the new governor? What do you think so far? Well, I mean, the one thing I like is the fact that she's from upstate New York, but um, unfortunately, I mean, I think some of the policies that she's been advocating for, and I like her personally. I've known her before. I've worked with her. I've gone, you know, I've seen her at different events. She's been to our area uh, during her time as lieutenant governor, more certainly more than Governor Cuomo was during his whole tenure. Um, but I think uh, uh, the thing I watch out for is the policies and, and what she's doing from then, and a lot of the policies that she's advocating. She's closing down prisons across the state, you know, right here in our area. Uh, other policies, it seems like it's really catering to the to the left, to that progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Um, you know, she puts out these broadband uh, big ambitions. So she's, you know, a lot of mandates that she's putting provide executive orders. I think a lot we'll see too will happen. Um, she put out her state of the state, uh, but when you put out a state of the state, the really details really come with the budget proposal that falls, which I think we'll get next week. That's where we'll really get more specific details of some of her policies that she wants to push forward and, and try to direct going into the next this next year. So that usually you'll see a lot of those details, and that really will really reveal a lot. But personally, I like Governor Hochul. Uh, I've you know talked to her, I've had in, um, interactions with her in the past, but it's her policies that, that concern me and the things that she's doing, whether these uh, you know increased executive orders, whether it's you know, policies that are directed, like we're talking about, more for New York City that might be beneficial for New York City, but certainly aren't beneficial for upstate New York, for our agricultural communities, for well, our business community. She's got to get that's re- we, she's got to get reelected. You know. <laughs> yes, and that's and that's what she's doing. She's catering to that to, to the left, that progressive, even that AOC wing of the party, yeah. so she can get elected in a primary, and then hopefully, you know, she thinks maybe she may, who knows what she'll do when she's if she if she is elected, you know, then I. All right, Phil. I hate to interrupt you. I hate to interrupt you, my friend, but we do have to wrap it up. And uh, I appreciate your time. And we do have to do this again because you have so much to talk to you about. But uh, our time is short on the morning show here. So uh, good to talk to you. And uh, once again, folks, Phil Palmasano, our assemblyman for the 132nd District for New York State, our guest this morning on Community Focus. Uh, Phil, we'll talk to you again, okay? Look forward to it, David. Thank you.